and welcome to my latest podcast with Little Red Typewriter, where you follow my journey to get my first book published this year. In this second series, whilst I'm waiting for the big edit and production on my own book, I'm chatting and interviewing other writers and authors who are a few steps ahead of me in their writing processes to help get their words and messages out into the world and to perhaps give or pass on any tips also to would-be authors. So today I'm joined by the marvellous Margaret Jackson, who owns Think Differently, a counselling and psychotherapy practice based over in North Knots. She also writes regularly for Blood Cancer Uncensored, plus writing many blogs on her own website under Maggie's Musings. She also has contributed to a chapter in a book offering various routes to becoming a counsellor and regularly writes in her personal wellbeing journal. So hello and welcome Margaret, how are you today? Hello Ellie, uh, you're using my Sunday name, can, I, can you call oh, me Maggie? <laughs> I will call you Maggie, you haven't done anything wrong yet so <laughs> I, I, shall, I shall carry on calling you Maggie from now on, bless you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, okay. So um, what's the weather like over in North Knots? Is it kind of a bit of a mixed bag today? The sun's just coming out, um, oh. my husband's just watering the garden um, and all is well with the world. <laughs> oh, definitely. You've got it well trained, Maggie, definitely. <laughs> Mind you, the gardens are very dry, aren't they? I think uh, my, my husband, Gary, he had to soak the garden yesterday because everything was starting to wilt already. Yeah. It was like, yeah. 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 Right, okay, so um, to kick this off then, I'm going to ask you a question I've been asking all my guests and it's just an opinion piece really and it's to, to ask you really whether you think writing is an art or if you think writing is a craft i think it's a bit of both ellie um i think the artist in me says um it's a way of expressing myself verbally which yeah. i can't do uh like drawing pictures or i do write a lot yeah. of poetry but that's for my personal use um, yeah. but it's a good way of actually expressing emotions and of course my my whole world is about emotions so yes i think it is a, an art uh, but as a craft you actually develop skills and that's what my writing has been doing for me over the last few months makes me realize that i am um, i actually did learn something at school um <laughs> and um yeah my, my, my grammar isn't that bad uh, my spelling isn't that bad uh, my punctuation isn't that bad so um but actually that's all gone to the wall these days people don't yeah. mind about bad punctuation or bad grammar um, well you say you say that but you know you stick an apostrophe in the wrong place and you know the uh you know the aggrieved from aberdeen start coming out the woodwork and they will they will put you right under no pretenses so yeah they do I think punctuation has its place. I mean, I write poetry, which I'm about to publish, and I was terribly influenced by the beatnik poets who were yeah. really into preform poetry. And when I sort of discovered that, I thought, yay, no punctuation. But what it's actually meant was that their philosophy was when you know the rules, you can break them. So yeah. you do have to understand the role of punctuation, and then you have to even you know, craft your word choices even more. So actually, in the long run, it's just as it's just just as taxing. It's just in a slightly different way, you know. That's so, right. Yeah, and yeah. you can always go back and alter it once you've written it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think word processing and stuff you do on computers, and even 
I think you can even get software now. You can actually speak to your laptop and they'll just simply type everything and you can train it to recognise your voice and, and stuff. I think it's a boom. But um, yeah, punctuation is it's there for a purpose, isn't it? You know? <laughs> I tend to find that handwritten um, prose is much easier for me because uh, my mind uh, slows down. When I'm typing, I go too fast. Yeah, I, I'm exactly the same. I mean, and also I think it's a generational thing. My daughter, who's a she's a communicator and broadcaster, she literally floats fingers over over type, you know, her laptop, and wouldn't even think about handwriting um, because she's such a brilliant touch typist, typist, and her brain is so fast that she can just get her ideas down as she's typing but like you Maggie I need this almost to filter it a little bit yeah. and I have to do longhand and then laboriously type it up but in the process it's a self I think it's it is a craft I'm crafting as I go along and it's the first edit I suppose isn't it yeah. I, I you're talking about journaling and when I did my training as a, a counsellor we had to write journals yeah. Uh, uh, learning journals um, and I used to do them on the way home because I was studying in York um, and yeah. I used to write them on the train um, wow. and it was uh, before the days of laptops and iPads and all that sort of thing but it helps you to reflect on what you're really feeling um, oh yeah, yeah. And I mean and I think this year don't you think that there's going to be an awful need for journaling to sort of decompress a lot of what we've yeah. all come across in our own way some some of you know managed it better than others and and i think even some of us who are, are blessed and have kind of not exactly sailed through but have not been too badly touched by the whole process have still got stuff in us yeah. um it's been probably the most formative and impactful time of our lives wasn't it in our lifetime really so it's it's going to come out and I agree with you and you're from a professional point of view it is a great way to decompress and get those thoughts out onto paper so and it's very I, therapeutic very oh therapeutic. yeah yeah I'm with you Maggie I think it's a, a, a an easy easier tool for us to manage isn't it we've all got a scrap of paper somewhere we can use and or buy a beautiful journal <laughs> and uh and get those ideas down so you you don't just write in your journal you're obviously you know you do your musings so what is it about what was the spark really for your latent writing you know your your passion for writing on a regular basis oh as i say i, I was trying to do that when i was studying as it was part of the course that i was taking and it was actually a reflective journal that was read by other people so i learned to write for other people um, and then I decided that actually I shouldn't be writing for other people, I should be writing for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and um, as, as part of the training as well as that, we had personal therapy, seven years of personal therapy. Um, wow. I've been therapied to death, um, but it makes me understand what other people are going through. And sure. as, a, as a part of that, I started writing my thoughts and my feelings down, which were just for my benefit. For nobody yeah. else's yeah um and then um of course i i, I had my big uh, geriatric gap here in india um yeah. and i had a lot of time to reflect there um and they have some beautiful craft materials over there beautiful uh paper and, and inks. Oh. Um, yeah well you know you 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 talk about paper and inks that's like stationary word isn't it you said yeah. stationary word and it's like i could just 
that's my dream that would be my dream little shop you know to have a have a stationery shop I'd just be love I wouldn't even I wouldn't even want any customers I'd just like sit in it all day and look at all the beautiful papers and all the lovely pens you know so, yeah. so I had a lot, of, a lot of time to reflect over there and it was a very formative part, part of my life it's actually probably mainly who I am today um, yeah. and yes a lot of it was actually um, using the, the the lovely materials that they have over there um, well, what, what, what region of India did you visit? I travelled all over India, but I was actually right. based in Goa with a child and family development centre. I did a year out there doing wow. some work. Um, wow. and, and I learned so much. And my heart goes out to the Indian community as it is today. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, it's just horrendous yeah. seeing. And there are places that are so familiar to me. Uh, you know, I yeah. stayed in Delhi. I stayed in Pune, I, um, you know, I'd been to Mumbai and um, there is nothing like what we're seeing on the TV today. Um, uh, I've been sure. into government hospitals as a patient, uh, yeah. I've been to private hospital to see friends, but um, I've never seen anything like it in all my life. I don't, I don't think most of the Indian population have, have kind of um, seen this in their lifetime so it's a massive shock for them as well and yeah we the rest of the world should be picking up and and helping india out because we're all connected aren't we we're all connected and we have a large indian population first second generation indian population in the uk and it must be such a worrying time for them you know so in terms of what kind of um what stimulus did you have out in India that kind of fed through into your writing? I think it was the fact that I saw so many um, cultures and um, religions and experienced that in the workplace and in the social life. And I tried to um, confine myself to the, to the local population. I used to go to the markets, I used to go to the local shops. Um, the only time I went to any of the touristy places was when somebody from the UK came and they wanted a, a tourist experience. But most of the time I lived as part of the community. And well, I, that would be so authentic, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would be so authentic that way, definitely. It was so authentic that I wouldn't wear um, British clothes. I wore Indian clothes, so I was. Uh -huh. and, um, um, and that was partly for self-protection because actually uh, there is a lot of um, disrespect for European women um, really? and it was, the, it was the easiest way to safeguard myself. Um, wow. Um, but I did have a, a wonderful experience doing, um, taking part in some training. I wasn't delivering the training, or well, that was one of the reasons I'd gone out there. Um, yeah. And I was learning um, a technique which we use in the UK. Um, and they were constantly saying, what do you do in the UK, Maggie? What do you do in the UK? And I said, I'll tell you at lunchtime, because actually I'm here to learn how you do it. Um, yeah, yeah. And at lunchtime, we went to the local Greasy Spoon, um, <laughs> and I ate the way that they ate. We used to have tallies on a big stainless steel plate yeah. with, with all the different flavours and spices. And oh, duh, you're making me hungry. <laughs> um, and that in itself was an experience of a lifetime. I bet. Um, and they used to say, are you just like us? I said, yes, I am just like you. The only you thing know I what, that would be a... Is yeah. That would I be a massive drink, compliment. I won't, water. Yeah. <laughs> I, won't, I won't drink your water. I had bottles uh -huh. of water. I used to carry a four-litre bottle of water around with me. I, I um, bet, I the bet. The only thing that I did differently. Um, yeah. And it, you know, I learned so much from that culture. And I think they learned a little bit from me that in actual fact, we weren't, we aren't any different. 
we you know yeah. under, under the skin we're just the same um, absolutely and and india has got such a a rich ancient culture as well you know they're direct they they with the eye ayurvedic um healing therapies and yeah. things like that they've got a direct line to some very ancient wisdom haven't they, they do. um and they respect that they respect this antecedent you know idea about the knowledge being passed on and respected and it's very fast it's absolutely fascinating to me so as I so life changing experience and i'm actually i started writing a book while i was there i must get it finished <laughs> Now come along Miss Maggie. Yes, I think that's that's procrastination writ large, isn't it? I'm about to write a piece about how procrastination is the killer to creativity with writers and it's uh, I've been guilty of it myself. But, you know, there's you've got a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge that needs to be brought out into the world and you need to get off that procrastination couch and get it published. <laughs> For sure, for sure. So moving on then with the, um, so what kind of things do you tend to focus on with Maggie's musings? What do you feel comfortable writing about? Maggie? Hello? Maggie? Hello? Maggie? Oh, I'm still here. Yes, you've come back. Don't worry about it. I can edit this out. Um, so um, I was say, I was saying to you about um, what kind of things do you tend to focus on with the Maggie's musings? What do you feel comfortable writing about? Um, I, I write about things that are topical, things that affect the whole of the community. So I've written about the COVID isolation, about loneliness, about burnout, about um, you know disconnection from families and friends. Um, yeah. And I, I write about things that actually are pertinent to people's lives they don't want to read about my thoughts but in actual fact if I can actually tap into what's going on in the community that's very useful to do yeah, um, yeah. and um, as one of the things I'm going to write about at the moment is uh, reconnection because reconnecting to the world after we've been locked away for 14 months is quite a task um, yeah. uh, for some people it's absolutely brilliant for some people it's quite anxiety provoking so I yeah it's that. yeah I agree I agree with that Maggie and actually I've had a little touch of that myself because my husband Gary um, you know for various reasons he was shielding for most of last year and certainly in a business situation you know things are opening up and physical events are starting up and I keep being invited and I'm like very wary it's like yeah if it's outside and they go no no, no it could be inside it'll be you know sort of COVID secure and I'm like yeah, I'm not so sure just yet. And it's like, I'm even having this conversation with myself and weighing up the risk factors, you know? Mm. So it is it is pertinent. I think, yeah, some of us are maybe a slightly older, kind of like, well, it's nice to be out and about, but we've still got to be a little bit careful. Mm. I think it's about, actually, it is about herd immunity, but it's also about personal responsibility. I know yeah. I haven't got any antibodies, I've been tested despite the fact that yeah. I've had two vaccines. So I'm keeping oh. myself safe, um, yeah. which means that I'm not going to be uh, out and about partying, but I do have friends in the garden um, and I'm just praying for a good summer so that I can see. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. Or invest in a very good uh, patio heater. We have <laughs> or a one. good yeah, winter. Or, or a few good winter coats and blankets.
blankets. I think uh, I think the blanket situation is going to be definitely uh, dairy girl this summer. To be honest um, with you, the, the latest piece that I'm working on is something about um, it's not it's okay not to be okay. Um, yeah. And I've experienced that, and it's about self care really. Um, I've experienced that recently when I thought I was going to bounce back from something and I didn't. Um, oh. and, and in actual fact, it's important to recognise that actually it's okay to, to to be quiet and to rest and to recuperate and to um, convalesce. Um, and there is no pressure on you to kind of get going at 100 miles an hour straight away. Um, yeah. I, I think sometimes our bodies actually tell us what we need to do. So I'm writing about that at the moment. Oh yeah, that's that's something I've learnt over the last few years. Is um, I, I ignored messages from my body for a good few years, and it came back to bite me in the bottom basically. And it got to a point where I couldn't physically go on, and I had to have surgery. Yeah. Um, and I thought actually my body had been like screaming at me for maybe five years and I kept pushing it aside and I'll get through it and basically living off painkillers yeah. which you realise at the end of the day the painkillers could have killed me in the quantities I was taking at one point yeah. and um, I, I've since learnt to really be sensitive to things and and realize that certain foods, drink, whatever, you know, my body just goes, uh-huh, I'm a bit sensitive to this now, it's a bit overloaded, you know, can you just rein it back a little bit? Um, and, you know, it's a lovely, marvelous feeling to, to be pain-free after being many years in pain. And I truly value that innate knowledge that I've gained about myself, um, that, that no doctor will be able to give you. I mean, it's. I think it's really, up to the individual yeah. to make their own choices. I've, I've just yeah. gone through surgery and unfortunately I had a spinal block as well as a, a general anaesthetic. The spinal mm. block didn't work. The painkillers mm. made me sick. So what did I do? I just worked through the pain. You know, oh. I, don't, I didn't need the painkillers. Uh, I, I knew the pain would actually subside naturally. And the pain I... was there for a purpose. It was to stop me moving around as much as... Yeah. Yeah. So it's... Yeah. Uh, but it's about you recognise... I recognise that this horrible stuff that they gave me, fentanyl, which is a really strong... Oh, I've, I've heard about that, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, they didn't actually make the connection. I made the connection that every time I wanted to move, I pressed my uh, syringe driver and then I was sick. Eventually, after half a day trying to get me out of bed, they realised what was happening. And Aww. it's like, actually, my body was telling me, no, you're not ready to do this yet. Mm. And the painkillers mm. are actually are counterproductive. So this yeah. and, and I just worked through the pain. Um, yeah. And pain is there as a as a um, an anchor to say you you're going to heal eventually, but don't but just listen to your body. Like you had to listen to your body. Oh, yeah. Definitely, and uh, it's you, you know what level of pain you can cope with as well. Yeah. You know, when when doctors ask you about, you know, can you do it on a scale of one to ten and stuff. But everybody's it's subjective, isn't it? And and what doctors feel is a, a pain you could cope with could be for some people they could probably, you know, cope with such a level that would absolutely prolapse some people yeah. and vice versa, you know. Yeah. I, so, feel, I feel uh, very sorry for the doctors because they have to witness it. I had a most uh, a gorgeous uh, Scandinavian anaesthetist who uh, was absolutely in bits because his spinal block didn't work and he coun't understand uh, why it hadn't worked. Um, and he tell me, 
tell me about it tell me about it uh i like the fact that you uh, remembered how gorgeous looking they were (laughs) yeah he was very nice six foot six oh okay for 30 years oh yeah oh he would have stood no (laughs) chance obviously obviously maggie yeah lovely um okay so moving on then so you also write regularly for blood cancer and censored so what's the story behind that um, well, for many years I've had leukemia um, and I've actually just lived with it. It's not yeah. going to kill me. I will die with it, not of it. Um, yeah. But the pandemic has made me realise that I'm actually quite vulnerable. And that vulnerability has actually stopped me doing things um, and I needed to reach out. And I found this uh, fantastic group called Blood Cancer Uncensored, uh, run by a psychiatrist, an ex-psychiatrist, because sadly he's had to retire because of his condition. Um, And he was asking people to write about their experiences. He writes all the scientific medical stuff, um, and he gets uh, people in the group to write their experiences. So I thought, well, actually, my experience of leukemia has been pretty good. Um, And so I started writing about my journey um, and I've done four episodes so far and I will continue Um, and we all share our ideas and no two people experience the same disease in the same way so you learn things from it Um, and the beauty of this group is that it's also um, there's a subgroup um, saying um, um, walking through blood cancer um, and that and we have a, um, a, a support network which actually is is international uh, there's a group in the US and a, a group in the UK we meet every Saturday night online um, and you learn different perspectives and then mm-hmm. you know what what I write about they probably have never even heard of because their system's completely different but it's actually yeah. sharing experiences and that's what I've got out of my writing so far is that yeah. I'm learning and I'm also giving something back I never that's, that's I nice ever, yeah I never thought I would ever um, need to um, share my story but in actual fact in writing the story it's made me realize I've had a pretty easy life so far Right, right. Um, it's yeah. uh, 20, nearly 20 years since I was diagnosed and I'm still here. Um, yeah. I, I only had treatment three years ago, uh, which is continuing. Yeah. And it's actually, you know, my, my experience has been brilliant. But if so actually that's here, very, very hopeful, isn't it? That's, yeah. a, that's a hopeful message, isn't it, to people? Yeah. Um, um, and, and actually, but then you realise that some people actually, they're diagnosed and treated within the space of a few, a few weeks. So you know, my, my story is completely different, but it has, a, it has a message that actually, if you think positively, you can get through anything, you know. And, um, yeah. It's, it, it, there is the, even now, you will die with leukaemia, not of the loop, the yeah, loop yeah, and at the end of the day, and at the end of the day, Maggie, we are all going to die. Yeah. We are all mortal, <laughs> aren't we? You know, it's like it's just how, what kind of life we pack into this time span that we have allotted to us, isn't it? Really, you know. And I do think, well, for me personally, writing has been my absolute saviour during this lockdown. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that this last lockdown, January, was a very dark time for me. Yeah. I just felt completely depleted. I, I suffer from SAD syndrome anyway, seasonal affective disorder. It's yes. not a great time. I, it's also the anniversary of, um, I, I, lo- I lost a child and I lost them in January. So it's never been a great time. Um, and business-wise, everything just seemed to literally be frozen. And I just thought, I don't know how much more I can do with this. I just felt depleted. 
I just felt tired. I just felt like, oh my life, you know. And then I kept saying to myself, look, come on, pull yourself together because compared to some people, you know, you've got a pretty nice gig going on. But you can't help feeling what you're feeling. And I did feel pretty low then. And then I just chance, by chance, I had a rummage through my garage and I came across this box. And at the bottom of the box was an old journal talking about journaling. Mm -hmm. And inside this journal were these, it was stuffed with all these drafts of poems that I'd written and maybe 15, yeah, 10 to 15 years ago. And I spent a happy hour you know, just looking through my work and thinking, oh my gosh, I, that needs editing or, oh, did I really write that? I must have been going through a bad patch or something, you know, and it was just all coming flooding back to me. And what I did was I took this journal back to the office and I literally started writing again. Yeah. And, and I don't know about you, but once you get into what they call the flow or I'm channeled or it's like I am writing but it then starts to kind of just pen to paper just seems to flow I don't stop and I literally wrote for literally three days non-stop morning noon and night and I just channeled and channeled and channeled and before you knew it I had about you know another hundred poems mm. and it was crazy you know and it was like well this has happened for a reason I've enjoyed myself, it's taking me out of myself, what do I do with it? So that's that's that was the impetus for me for actually starting to write again and, um, and, and getting a lot from it and realising that actually my true purpose is as a communicator. Yeah. So what do you feel, so you're writing, what do you feel it's given to your life? How is it added to your life? It's given some clarity, it's given me some, um, direction it's given me a sense of meaning a sense of purpose um and um i'm, I'm a great reader as well as a writer um and, yeah and i take my um the tone of what i write from the mood of myself but also what's going on around me just like you're talking yeah. about the lockdown um yeah. i've been doing some work for an organization called sudden who've been dealing with um sudden deaths through Ooh. the pandemic and through other situations of medical emergencies that have become critical um, and one of the things is I deal with the, the people who are left behind one of the things yeah. I've been teaching them is how to journal because it gets all yeah. your emotions out of your, out of your head onto paper and you don't ruminate and you don't go around in circles and you can make sense yeah. of what's happening oh absolutely I mean after my dad's suicide the, there was a period of time I think I've discussed this with you previously but I was very numb but then I did I did start to journal and I, I got a lot of the anger out yeah you know and I always say to people the pen you know the pen is mightier than a prison sentence <laughs> because yeah. you know actually you can you can muse about what you could do as a revenge or how you would get your own back but if yeah. it's down on paper it can be ripped up it can be burnt and nobody's the wiser you know it's so therapeutic it really helped me and it got me to a place where I could start to forgive you yeah. know, which I think is part of the healing process, isn't it? So I think it's yeah. about making sense of what happens to you when you're not yeah. planning. Life is what happens to you when you're busy planning other things. You don't oh, truly. expect people to disappear just suddenly from your life. Um, yeah. And it's why it seems so, so important to actually allow yourself to process what's going on in your mind. Yeah. And the numbness is one of the first stages, but then you yeah. suddenly free yourself up to to 
explore those emotions that are eating you up and by yeah. exploring them you diffuse them and that's yeah. why journaling is so personal you can write actually sudden have been a brilliant organization because they supplied people with journals so brilliant yeah um and and it is about actually the the act of putting your thoughts onto paper is so cathartic and i think that's yeah. you know one of the things yeah. I've learned through the pandemic is that it, you know we can't change what's going on you know 100 years ago the same thing happened uh you know we've got in village up the up the road from us uh where the plague was um that yep. that killed hundreds and hundreds of people um it's just natural selection but we're actually yeah. we're actually keeping natural selection at bay because yeah. actually the people that are being classed as clinically extremely vulnerable would have just faded away in the olden days yeah so exactly. we've got a lot to be thankful for and uh, some yeah. of the readings that i've done is the historic stuff that uh, happened during the, the you know the plague yeah um, yeah and there, we are no different the yeah, life is very similar. Yeah, I saw. I saw something that was printed in a local newspaper, and uh, they were printing reports uh, of, at the time of the, the plagues and stuff like that. And the same conversations were had by the same people, you know, centuries spanned apart. You know, so it's it is a very universal human experience, isn't it? And you know, viruses one humans nil because yeah. you know we just have to learn to live with them. We and actually most viruses coexist with humans it's not in their best interest to wipe us off the face of the planet because that that's how they spread isn't it you know but so brilliant hand, if you if somebody had written the story of what has happened over the last two years it would seem like science fiction and oh um, i know if you'd know. actually just written a story about it it's kind of unbelievable but well the thing is there's, there's going to be and i think there's going to be lots and lots so this is this is going to be grist to the mill and it's feeding into the create creative communities and we're going to be seeing lots of films lots of books from lots of different angles about this because i i'm a strong believer and I, you probably agree with me with the, the whole buddhist value system of through destruction comes creativity yeah. so i'm i i feel i have a lot to give and be creative and it's actually part of the healing process of us getting back to normal yeah. so we're coming full circle a little bit aren't we so and i guess my so, favorite quote is nature what doesn't kill you makes you stronger um yeah and yeah, the people definitely. that survive this will definitely be stronger for that experience yeah yeah we've, we've been tempered haven't we we've been we've gone through the fires and we've been tempered and stronger yeah yeah well that's a wonderful place to finish it we could obviously talk a lot more margaret Maggie, I should say, and I'd love to have you back at some point later on in the season and, and, and catch up more because I do think some of the organisations that you belong to, you could you could talk a lot more about that. And I really do want to see some progress on your own book. Well, <laughs> so I, have, I want to, I I want to know. I want, yeah, I want to know. I want to. I was just going to ask you, have you got a title even? Yeah, I have a title and I have a structure and I've written the first four chapters and it's called Cashmere Dowry. And it was my experience. Ah, lovely. Um, and it's written from five different perspectives, five different characters. Yeah. And it's absolutely, I'm beginning to kind of sort out who's who in the book. Um, oh, marvellous. Oh, I, lo I just love it already. Anything with cashmere in it. I just love it. It's, yeah. it's giving me a warm cuddle already. So, yeah, you've got to do it, Maggie. You've got to. Yeah. I'll <laughs> let you know when I do, Ellie, and then you can re Absolutely marvellous. Well, thank you so much. Now, okay. if people want to connect with you, 
uh, if you just give out the details of your website. Uh, my website is www.thinkdifferently.org.uk and I have yeah. a Facebook page called Think Differently and I also have a private group called Think Differently in Safe Hands which is a, a, a more select group where um, people choose to join. So, you know, um, get in touch with me through my website um, and I can direct you where you need to go but read Maggie's musings because actually some of the stuff is very topical thanks Fantastic. for joining oh wonderful. you're wonderful it's been wonderful catching up with you Maggie thank you so much so that's a wrap folks thank you for listening so cheerio do loofanoo and goodbye so thank bye. you Margaret bye 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 bye